This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. For more downloads, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. Good afternoon, everybody. This is the first of our um, talks about the disciples. We have got... um, Uh, four throughout the course of the month and we're starting with Peter. Now Peter is probably one of the more famous shall we say of the disciples because of certain incidents that we read about in the gospel uh, the uh, the gospels and also because he wrote uh, letters as well so we we can build up quite a good picture of Peter. Now I often say that if Jesus is the person who we're meant to try and emulate. The disciples are the people who we are. And what we often see when we study the disciples is we study very human people making very human mistakes and trying to do what's best but quite often failing. And so I think what's always a useful exercise to do is to look at the disciples to see where they failed, the mistakes they made, and try and not make them ourselves. So what I'd like to do this afternoon is uh, to look at Peter's background, look at a few sort of notable incidents uh, in his life, and then compare them to us and see how, in many respects, we are all like Peter. So first of all, just looking at his uh, background, and um, we could spend an entire afternoon just looking at this, but what I've just uh, done is sort of summarised, if you like, all the, uh, uh, the important parts. Uh, so, oh, sorry. So we, um, we get a, a, an idea of who Peter was. And there are references on the screen there, so if you want to check these out to make sure that they are, they, they are, uh, they are correct, please feel free. So we know he was uh, originally called uh, Simon. We know he was born in Bethsaida. We read that in John chapter 1. And we know that at the time that he met Jesus, he was living in Capernaum. Again, Mark chapter 1 has an account of Jesus healing his mother-in-law. We know he was married, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, verse 5. We read about that, and again, also in that instant in Mark. And that he and James and John were partners in a profitable fishing uh, business. We've just read that as an introductory reading, haven't we? So we know that he was a businessman, he had business partners, and uh, he, was a, he was a fisherman on the Sea of Galilee. We know that Simon, Simon Peter, met Jesus through his brother Andrew, who had been following uh, Jesus after hearing John the Baptist uh, proclaim that Jesus was the Lamb of God. And again, if you go back to John, Uh, chapter 1 you can read that incident whereby it was Andrew who brought Peter to Jesus. What we also know about him was that Andrew immediately went to find his brother to bring him to Jesus. When Jesus met Simon um, he gave him the new name Cephas which is the the Aramaic or Peter in the Greek uh, which means rock and again this is all contained in John chapter 1. Now We don't know exactly how long after uh, that incident, but we know that later on, that um, if you like, uh, Jesus uh, officially called Peter, uh, so to speak, to follow him. 
during the uh, after the incident we just read about in Luke, uh, Luke chapter five, where Jesus performed the miracle of the uh, of of the the catch of fishes, and then as we read in the uh, last uh, well verse eleven of the chapter we just read together. Uh, and when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. <coughs> so that's that's how Peter was called. He was called uh, by his by his brothers, um, and we know that he left everything and followed. And he uh, was given got quite a lot. We know he was a businessman. He was a married man. We don't know if he had a family, but I think it's fair to assume that he probably uh, uh, may have done. So he gave up an awful lot to follow Jesus. And what we see in the four Gospels are various incidents when Peter's story comes to the forefront. So what I'd like to do is just go through uh, those uh, four or five incidents and see what we can make of what type of person Peter was. So if you could open your Bibles, please, because the uh, first one I'd like to go to is in Matthew and chapter 14. I should say all these... um, accounts come from the Gospel of Matthew and we're going through them in chronological order so you won't be flicking backwards and forwards we'll just slowly be be progressing through Matthew so it should be quite um, easy to follow hopefully. So Matthew chapter 14 and if we go down to verse 22 uh, just to put it into context in uh, in chapter 14 of, of, uh, uh, of Matthew just prior to this, he's, he's fed the 5,000. Uh, 5, and then verse 22, we read uh, what happens after that. Now, this afternoon I'm reading from the English Standard Version, but please follow whichever version you have in front of you. We read, Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he dismissed the crowds, these are the 5,000 plus, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves. The wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter commanded him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. So, what we see here in Peter, if you like, are two sort of almost contrasting sides uh, of the same person. When he saw, when they saw Jesus, they were they were afraid. And I think something we should always bear in mind with all the disciples is when they saw the miracles of Jesus, when they saw the things that he performed, there were things they'd never been, they'd never seen before. And some of the things that Jesus was talking about were things that 
they'd never even thought about before. So I think we can slightly give them a bit of leeway for, at times, being uh, reacting in the way they did. So the fact that, that, that they saw Jesus walking towards them on the water, it's something they'd never seen before, and they just went, they didn't know how to react, and they said, you know, is it a ghost? And Jesus says, no, it's me. And at this point, Peter, who obviously isn't convinced, says, well, if it is you, then call me to walk on the water with you. So Jesus says, come to me. Now at this point, what we do see in Peter is an amazing act of faith, because he got out the boat. Now, I don't know about you, but in that situation, it would take a lot for me to even think, even if you're in a boat and you're being, you're being tossed around, if somebody said, no, come out, it's fine, it'd be quite a daunting task to actually come out of what you know and to step, and to, um, sort of step into the unknown. But Peter had the faith to do it. And effectively, that's what Jesus asks everybody to do. He asks us all to step out of what we know, to step out of our, the world that we live in, into the unknown when we are baptised. We're going into sort of a territory that we, we don't know, we're not familiar with, we don't, don't know, really know what's going to happen. But that's what Jesus asks of us. So Peter heard the call and he, he walked. He, he got out and he was walking on the water. And at that point, things change. At that point, Peter finds himself in a situation which he can't comprehend and he starts to lose faith. And as he loses faith, he starts to sink under the water. But what happens? He cries for help and Jesus pulls him out. And the same goes for us as disciples, is that at times in our lives we walk and we lose faith. We can't comprehend what's happening to us in our lives. We can't comprehend what's happening in the world and we lose faith and we feel as though we're drowning. But the message is the same now as it was 2,000 years ago. If we call on Jesus for help, he will help us. So we see two different aspects here, if you like, of, of Peter. We see a very faithful man, but a man whose faith also failed him. Let's continue on now. Let's go on to, um, the, uh, on to chapter 16. So just across a couple of chapters to Matthew chapter 16 and, and another incident with Peter. This starts, uh, we'll start reading this at verse 21. So verse 21, we read that from that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him saying, far be it from you Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get, me, get behind me Satan, you are a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. So what Jesus was doing here is he was explaining to Peter and explaining to the disciples what was going to happen. If you like, the plan. Now, the plan had always been that Jesus was going to have to die. 
because this goes back to the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, after man had sinned, uh, laws were put into, in, into place with the Mosaic laws, about, about the laws of Moses, about uh, offering sacrifices uh, when people sinned. All sinning is doing it means is, is disobeying God, doing what pleases you and what displeases God. Jesus was to be, if you like, the end of that. He was going to be the final sacrifice. So he, he had to die. But because Jesus never sinned, he couldn't die. And so he would be raised from the dead. This is Jesus knew this and Jesus explained this. This is exactly what Jesus is explaining here to, to Peter. And what Peter's doing here is he's doing that great thing of, of, of selective hearing. What Peter heard was he just heard him say he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. Because that's what you would focus on, isn't it? And the next line of, and on the third day be raised, well, if you think about it, nobody's ever been raised from the dead. So, again, Peter is struggling to, to comprehend this. And so what Peter does is what Peter thinks is, well, that can't be right. Because they knew that Jesus was the Messiah. But the thing was that they didn't, if you like, fully grasp the big picture. A lot of the disciples, and in fact perhaps many, other, many of the followers even of Jesus at this time, knew that a Messiah was going to come, that a saviour was going to come, that was going to, as they saw it, restore the land of Israel. The land of Israel from thousands of years ago, the land, the, 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 the land of the, the kingdom of, of David and Solomon and, and so forth. So they were looking at things in a very sort of narrow, human manner. And they're thinking, but if you're going to be killed, how can you overthrow the Romans? That, that doesn't make any sense. And so Peter comes along and says, this isn't going to happen. No, you know, I, I, I think probably Peter would sort of say, no, I, I will stop this from happening. And Jesus says, no, don't. And he uses the expression Satan here, and this just, just, just means an adversary, because effectively Peter, Peter was a, almost like a spanner in the works. He was saying, no, don't try and stop what is going to happen. And so he's, he's told, you are not setting your mind on the things of God, on the things of man. You're only thinking about yourself and what you understand. What I am telling you is something far greater than that. And of course, ultimately it was, because nobody had ever been raised from the dead before. But it happened with Jesus. So Peter, in this case, is actually, um, he, he, he's quite argumentative, he's quite sort of petulant, he's kind of saying... No, this isn't going to be. And Jesus says, this has to be Peter. And there's a good lesson in that for us in life as well, is that we have to um, often just accept things as being God's way and God's will, even if at times we don't fully understand them. We know that God's purpose will, will come to pass and we know it will be all be for, for the good. Let's just go on then to another situation. And this is in... Matthew 17, so it's the next uh, chapter. And at the beginning of the chapter, we read what's usually referred to as the Transfiguration. So what happened here is that Jesus took Peter and James and John, um, so the, other, if like the, the brothers, they all went up onto the, uh, uh, onto this, onto, uh, uh, the mountainside. And when they were there, 
they saw Jesus's sort of persona change and it said about how he, he, he sort of glowed white and then he saw, they saw Moses and, and Elijah and they realised that they had seen something very special here. Now the whole purpose of Jesus was that after he had been that sacrifice, that sacrifice for sin, after he was raised, that he would set up God's kingdom here on earth and when he returns that is what he'll do so if you like what the three brothers got was almost a snapshot of how the kingdom was going to look I mean they were in the land they saw they saw this 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 transformation so it must have been an incredible experience for them again very hard for them to comprehend exactly what was going on but they understood and Peter certainly understood that there was something special here because in verse 4, Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here. One for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. Now, what Peter's intentions were um, is unclear. What, did he think, was he so moved he wanted to do something? Did he feel as though something physically had to be put there to remind people? But whatever it was, he certainly had an opinion about what, about what, what should, should actually happen. Verse 5 though, he was still speaking when behold a bright cloud overshadowed them and a voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased, listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them saying, rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. So they... We've gone from Peter being all very kind of, oh, we'll do this, we'll, we'll, we'll build three, uh, three, ta three tabernacles or, or, or uh, three shrines, whatever you want to refer to it, to being on the floor shaking with fear when he heard God's voice. Now, actually, if you think about it, the fact that he didn't make them was, was really a blessing because what would undoubtedly would happen was be that if he had built these three things then 2,000 years later they would have been classed as sort of holy relics or something and, and, they, and, they, and they would have uh, you know been turned into sort of tourist attractions and, and that wasn't what that wasn't Jesus's way and you know we don't know where exactly you know on the mountainside did this happen so actually Peter not doing it was a, was a, was a good thing but it's interesting how he changes. He changes from being all confident and let's do this to actually sort of quivering on the floor. A penultimate uh, incident with Peter is over in chapter 26. And this is now coming to the time before the crucifixion of Jesus. And um, at this point... Jesus is in the uh, Garden of Gethsemane, and um, we've—they've just had the, uh, the the Last Supper. They've had—they've uh, had uh, bread and wine, and we're coming in part way through. He's had the Passover, and then verse forty. Well, uh, verse thirty-six. Jesus then goes up to um, uh, Gethsemane to pray, and then verse forty-seven. While he was still speaking, this is Jesus, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a great crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. 
Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, The one, who, one I will kiss is the man. Seize him. And he came up to Jesus at once and said, Greetings, Rabbi. And he kissed him. Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you came to do. Then they came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. And behold, one of them who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back into its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think I, I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once send me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then should the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? So here we have this incident whereby um, one, of, one of Jesus' followers strikes the, uh, the servant and cuts off his ear. Now if you look in the John account, it's named as Peter. So we know that this is Peter. And again we think about Peter's reaction. So they've been told, or they've been prepared, shall we say. Jesus explained at the, the, at the Passover, at the Last Supper, that you know I am going to die. And then at this point, the guards come to arrest him. So at this point, it's looking pretty imminent that Jesus' death is near. So what does Peter do? Bearing in mind that he'd been told beforehand that it was going to happen, and when he tried to say, I will stop this, he was told, no, you won't. Peter takes it into his own hands and decides to get the sword out and try and fight the people who are going to actually come and... and uh, uh, and uh, crucified Jesus and he, again he's told he's told off again he's rebuked and said no this is not the way it's meant to be you've got to let this happen and we know actually again from the John account Jesus heals the uh, uh, the servant and then ultimately he goes on to uh, to be crucified and so Peter just seems to be violently lashing out here and you may think, well, that's not exactly the way you'd expect a disciple, a disciple of Christ to, uh, to act, but this is what he does. Now, in all fairness, again, trying to get into the mind of Peter, it may be because of an incident that happened a bit earlier on in the chapter. And this is our final thing I want to look at about Peter. And this is about his betrayal. So if you've still got Matthew 26 open, if we just go back to verse 30 of Matthew chapter 26... Um, again, in context, we've just had the, the Last Supper. And then verse 30, it says, And when they sung the hymn, a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. So again, Jesus is telling the disciples something they don't really want to hear. They don't really want to all be told that they're all going to turn their backs on him. And in fact, Peter answers in verse 33, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. So at this point, Peter's saying, whatever happens, I will be with you. 
which I suppose could perhaps explain his actions with the sword. Perhaps he thought, well, no, I'm not going to deny Christ. I'm going to, I'm going to fight these people. But again, he's missed the point because that's not really what Jesus meant. But perhaps in his mind, that's what he was thinking, which is why he, he, he reacted that way in Gethsemane. But we know if we go right to the end of the chapter and uh, verse 69, we know what actually happens. It says, now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard and a servant girl came up to him and said, you also are with Jesus the Galilean. But he denies it before them all, saying, I do not know what you mean. And when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him and she said to the bystanders, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied it with an oath, I do not know the man. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Certainly you too are one of, the, are one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. And immediately the roaster crowed. And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, Before the roaster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Isn't it amazing how he can change? We said about Peter's faith, about how he had faith to get out of the out of the boat to walk on the water. Then a few minutes later, he lost his faith and he began sinking. Well, here, <clears throat> a few hours after Jesus has said to him, you will deny me three times, and he was so adamantly, no, everybody else might, might, might turn their back on you, I will stay with you. Within a few hours, he's changed. And the pressure of what's going on, I mean, the, if we read the rest of the chapter, we'd see about how the, uh, Jesus was put on trial in this sort of kangaroo court, and they were trying to find trumped-up charges against him, and obviously the atmosphere had turned and Peter suddenly realised it's not good to actually be connected with Jesus. And he turns his back on him. So, if we look at the character of Peter from what we've seen so far, we know he was, he was petulant. He was disobedient. He quite often did what Jesus told them not to do. And then well, had to be uh, sort of rebuked on two or three occasions. He was brash, he was potentially violent, and he was a betrayer, and he was a liar. That is the character of Peter, as we see in the Gospels. And yet, we also read in Matthew 16, verse 18, Jesus says to Peter, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So Peter was being held up as being one of the key disciples, one of the key characters in setting up God's kingdom on earth. And yet the man that we've just looked at is not the sort of character that you'd think you would want to be in that sort of a position. The thing is, Jesus saw something in Peter. Jesus saw something that was actually he could work with, that he could build on. 
And we're not going to do it this afternoon, but if you go through and you look at that, what Peter, how Peter then, uh, in the Acts of the Apostles, which are the events directly after uh, Jesus had, had uh, been raised, uh, raised from the grave and then was um, uh, ascended to heaven, and we read about what Peter and the, and, the, and, the, and the other apostles did, and we see the amazing things they did and the amazing acts of faith, it's a very different Peter to the Peter that we read about in the Gospels. If we look at the Peter and we look at the, the way he writes and the, way he, and the words that he says, it's a very different Peter to the Peter that we've seen in the Gospels. Because Peter matured and Peter changed and Peter began to understand what it was that Jesus wanted. And he began thinking less about, or less in a worldly way and more in a spiritual way. And the thing is, and this is the most wonderful thing for us, is that in the same way that Jesus saw something in Peter, Jesus can see something in us the same. So if we find ourselves thinking, I could never be a disciple of Christ, I could never be a disciple of Jesus, because I'm petulant, I'm disobedient, I'm brash. Or we think about things that we've done previously and we think, well, I'm just not cut out for it. I'm not the type of person that he's looking for. Well, we are wrong. If, G if Jesus can see something in Peter, then Jesus can see something in us. Because the most important thing is it's not where we st begin from, it's where we end. So if we think, I could never be baptised, I could never live a life uh, trying, to, trying to follow God's will, trying to emulate Jesus, trying to live in his, in, his, in his style, because I'm just not the right type of person. Well, none of us are the right type of person. All of us have these failings. All of us uh, have these, 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 these problems. But what Jesus we see in, in his ministry and what we read in all, all of the Bible is that that's fine because as long as we start that's the most important thing Peter had to start somewhere and along Peter's way we saw him fail we saw him have great moments when he's very confident in his faith moments when he was lacking in faith and at that time Jesus was there to help him and we know that as we start our journey after we are baptised and we start our journey on we will fail but if we fail we can turn to God through Jesus and ask for forgiveness and we just basically get whatever we've done wiped out and we start all over again it's a wonderful wonderful gift that's on offer and I think the more that we look at some of these Bible characters, the more we realise that actually we are like the disciples. We make all the mistakes. But the thing is, the disciples we see over their lives changed. And God willing, we will also change as well. And we will become better people than we were when we started. The question is, well, the offer is, this is what Christ is offering us. This is what his heavenly father has planned for us do we want to be part of that wonderful kingdom when it comes here on the earth and god willing it will be here soon thank you we hope you enjoyed that talk for more downloads information about what we believe and details of our meeting times go to our website 
Ormskirk Christadelphians dot org dot UK